Baseball is funny, isn't it? The Tigers start the season with seven games on the road, and now they head home with a 4-3 and three record after an absolutely dominant pitching performance against the Yankees. I'll put a bow on that series, we'll preview the Royals series, and answer a couple of interesting questions about prospects, free agents, and Tommy John surgery on today's Locked on Tigers. It is April 4th, 2019. It is opening day. I am your host, Chris Brown, and I really hope you're listening to the show today on your way to Comerica Park to catch opening day. But before you do that, I would remind you to please download, rate, and review Locked on Tigers on all your podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course the podcasting app Himalaya. And when you get in your car, tell your smart devices to play podcast Locked on Tigers. And you know what? If you are going to the game tomorrow, come see me. I will be in section 133, row 26, and seats 3 and 4. I will be the portly gentleman with a beard, an arrogant affect, and likely some nachos. So come say hi. I'd like to see you. Yeah, so how about yesterday's game? What an absolutely dominant performance from Matthew Boyd. Six and a third innings, five hits, one earned run, three walks, and a new career high, 13 strikeouts. He threw 44 four-seam fastballs. He touched 94 with it, and he threw 41 sliders, uh, mixing in about a dozen curves. He got 10 swinging strikes on the fastball, 13 on the slider, and three on the curve. The 26 swinging strikes is a career high by far. His previous career high was 19, which he did last September against the the Cardinals, and then he did it again in his last start. So that kind of raises the question of whether this is just a weird coincidence at the early part of the season where he's facing some bad teams and some bad weather, or has Boyd done something to alter his pitch mix or the way he performs? It's actually portending a breakout. Uh, And it's obviously tough to make any sweeping declarations after two games, but I was talking about this with the TTI, the Tigers Twitter Intelligentsia, and my buddy Brandon Day from Bless You Boys pointed out that Boyd has seemingly abandoned his two-seamer sinker uh, for more four-seam fastballs. And the early numbers bear that out. Uh, Last year, he threw the sinker about 15% of the time, and his four-seamer about 34% of the time. And so far this year, he's thrown three sinkers and 138 pitches. 183 pitches, I'm sorry. That's less than 2%, so that's down a a ton. And in his first start, he threw 55% four-seam fastballs and 30% sliders and 12% curves. And then yesterday, it was 45% four-seamers and 45% sliders. So yeah, it does look like there's been a fairly dramatic change to his pitch mix. Uh, Again, kind of time will tell. And I don't expect him to throw as many sliders in the future as he did yesterday, but good Lord, the slider was just fantastic. It was the best slider I've ever seen from him. It was uh, like an Andrew Miller or Chris Sale slider. Yeah, so... Time will tell. We don't know if this is like a, a more effective p- pitch mix for him or if maybe teams are heading into starts against him based on his scouting report from last year, and they'll have to adjust, and, and we'll see if he can keep it up. But the other strange thing about yesterday's game was how close it came to being very different. Uh, Boyd had five strikeouts through three innings. He was, he was looking solid, but he'd also given up a ton of hard contact. He allowed six balls in play in the lowest exit velo on those balls was 99.5 miles per hour. He was getting hit hard. So the Yankees were kind of just doing the old swing hard in case you hit it mode of attack. And in the third, they did. They hit it. DJ LeMahieu hit a double. Uh, Aaron Judge hit a single for an RBI at 105 miles an hour. And then Judge stole a base. And then there was another hard hit ball, but the Tigers got really fortunate because it was a hit by Glaber Torres, again at 105 miles an hour, but it hit Aaron Judge in the field of play for an automatic out. Uh, it counts as a single for Torres, but 
also as a put out for Josh Harrison. And it's uh, just one of those fun rules you don't see very much. I remember it happened to me once in Little League where I was running between second and third and the ball took a funny hop and got me right in the junk, uh, which wasn't great. But yeah, it's, it's like I said, baseball's a funny game. If they don't get that bounce yesterday, then maybe that's a loss. And then two days ago, if they don't get the lucky bounce off first base on a Candelario double, then maybe it's another loss. You're talking about a sweep, but sometimes uh, strange things happen. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Boyd settled down and he was part of an 18 strikeout performance. The Tigers just blew away the Yankees. Again, this is not a great Yankees uh, lineup right now. They even lost Troy Tulowitzki less than a week into the season. So, I mean, I think we could all see that coming. But Buck Farmer came in and struck out the only two batters he faced. Joe Jimenez struck out two batters. And then Shane Green struck out one in a perfect ninth for his fourth save of the season, which actually ties him for the uh, the lead in baseball with Josh Hader. This is the first time that a Tiger starter has struck out 13 in a game since Max Scherzer did it back in uh, August of 2014. And uh, Boyd led the majors in strikeouts for about three to four hours before Jacob deGrom went ham against the Marlins. But it's also just the fourth time in Tigers team history that in a nine inning game they've struck out 18 uh, or more hitters. So that's that's pretty impressive. And the last time, I think, I, I couldn't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure the last time was that 17 strikeout game from Annabelle Sanchez back in 2013. With uh, yeah, Sanchez got 17, then Rondon came in and got one. But yeah, so this is, this is kind of the familiar pattern we've been talking about so far this season, though. The pitching was great, but what about the offense? Still bad. Still very bad. The Tigers had three hits today. I don't know if people noticed that. Three. Three hits. They've played seven games, and in three of them, they've had three hits or two hits. They only had eight strikeouts, which is good for them, but geez. They they got their first run thanks to Castellanos' walk and a steal, and then he advanced a third on a throwing error by Gary Sanchez, which is kind of similar to how they scored their first run back on Monday. But uh, yeah, then Nico Goodrum and Candelario walked, and, and Kristen Stewart has had a tough start to the season. He got just enough of a ball to get in the outfield and get Castellanos to score the run on a sack fly. He was he, Castellanos was safe by like an inch. It was a really good throw from Aaron Judge. Uh, but yeah, so that was the that was their offense. And then that was basically it until the eighth inning when, when Gordon Beckham let off the inning with a homer to right center. Just the Tigers' second home run of the season. I believe the Dodgers have 17 or 20 or something ridiculous like that. And like I said, baseball's funny. Gordon Beckham was the 25th man on the roster. He came into spring camp with little shot making the team. Former first rounder who had a, a strong rookie season and then basically did nothing for like nine years. And it's, it was his first home run since August 28th of 2016. So yeah, good for Gordon Beckham. The ball left his bat at 104.8 miles per hour and it gave the Tigers a 2-1 win and that gets Gordon Beckham the blue chew big stick of the day. So on to today opening day against the Royals team that figures to suck as much as the Tigers if not more. Not many names at all left from the 2015 glory days. This is basically Alex Gordon out in left field and Terrence Gore is back to run fast. That's basically it. They, they do have some talent still, particularly on the infield. Whit Merrifield is a really solid hitter with plus speed and a decent power. And Adalberto Mondesi is this hyper-aggressive shortstop with plus speed and a plus hard hit rate. He's either striking out constantly or hitting the ball really hard and running like crazy. So they've also added Billy Hamilton, who's not good, but he is still a fantastic defender and one of the two or three fastest players in baseball. So if he gets on base, it could be an issue. So that's something for Turnbull and, and presumably Griner to look out for. Turnbull hasn't faced any of these guys before. For, but unless it's a super windy day, I'm going to go ahead and predict that he doesn't give up any homers. And you know what? I, I think the Tigers' offense will break out a bit. They'll double those season total in home runs, I think, thanks to the energy from the opening day crowd. I'm not a big believer in, in sort of baseball magic, uh, as it were, but I do believe in a stadium full of loud, drunken fans ready to party, and I think that can add a lot of energy to the atmosphere, and I think that'll help. And the Tigers will be facing Jacob Junis, a 26-year-old righty, 
from the Royals, who has had a lot of success against them. They got him for six runs the first time he faced them, uh, but since then he's given up just 11 runs in 43 innings. So that's a 2.30 ERA over his last six starts. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher with a super low spin fastball and an above-average slider. Better against righties with that slider. And lefties hit him for a little bit more power and a little better average, but lefties do need to watch out for the backdoor slider. Speaking of watching out for the backdoor slider, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember when every day was opening day? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence during your allotted mound visits. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra exit velo and a higher spin rate to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And what's interesting is today I got randomly a bunch of listener questions, which I'm super happy about, but it's just kind of weird that they all came in on one day. The first question comes from listener Scott, and he said, if you had to guess, which of the current Young Tigers talents are making an impact in five years, and are they all playing the same position? Please answer in the form of boner jokes. Well, Scott, that'll be kind of hard, but let's see if I can pull it off. Honestly, I'm not sure anybody on the current roster is an impact talent in five years. Possibly Candelario and Stewart has an outside shot, but I really think it's just going to be the top-ranked prospects in the system, uh, which is kind of lame, but, you know, that, that's just the way it is five years a long time. I think Casey Mize and Matt Manning should be solid big league starters, if not better. I think Daz Cameron will be a providing pretty strong two-way value on offense and defense. And I think Isaac Paredes might be the best hitter in the lineup. Beyond that is where it gets kind of tough. It's hard to predict health for Franklin Perez. He's been hurt in both of the years the Tigers have had him. I think Bo Burrows and Kyle Funkhauser probably moved to the bullpen. I think Winslow Perez and Parker Meadows are just too far away. The two wild cards for me, I guess, are Willie Castro and Jake Rogers. If Castro can tone down his aggressive approach a bit, I think he could be a solid everyday player. And Rogers is such a defensive beast that if he could he could be an impact player while hitting like 220, the problem is he still has some work to get to that point so and also don't forget about the unnamed prospects who the tigers will take this year with the fifth and 47th picks in the draft and presumably they'll have two more players in the top 50 in 2020 so maybe the talent comes from there in a related question terry p from twitter said if boyd and some other younger players have good years are they trade bait or puzzle pieces to the future this is something that i've been thinking about for a while and i actually was writing an article about it at Town. i've been writing about it for a year though so whatever but i think boyd is probably their most valuable trade ship now unless candelario puts together and, and has like a four-win season, but again, they're probably not trading him if that's the case. Like I mentioned to Scott, I don't think there's a ton of impact talent in the system, and with free agency effectively ended by all these extensions that, that are being signed, trades might be the only way for the Tigers to really get some more help. Boyd is already 28, which isn't old, but it's also not young for, for pitchers, uh, but the Tigers do have control of him for this year and the next three seasons, and you know, it's, it's silly to do this after two starts, but let's just say, for fun, he keeps pitching like he has these first two starts. He could turn into a sneaky three-to-four-win player 
player like Jay Happ did. If you really want to dream on a breakout and you see what you saw from him yesterday with that slider, you're looking at maybe like a 1% chance of Patrick Corbin. And Patrick Corbin just signed that six-year $140 million deal with the Nationals. So we know what kind of value that would bring to an organization. Uh, If he turns into that, and I want to stress it's a small chance, uh, then the Tigers could expect a huge return for him. Uh, At the same time, they would also be getting a huge amount of value from him. So all that said, I don't think they're going to trade Boyd. I, I would, but I'm a monster. I get the sense the Tigers really like him. He's been a solid performer who's stayed healthy for the most part, and he seems like a good dude. You know, he and his wife have been working to combat human trafficking in Africa, and they started a home for rescued girls in Uganda. That's good stuff, and I'm sure the Tigers don't mind a little positive publicity right now. And even if Boyd stays as, as just a number four starter, there's value in that, and I think the Tigers are going to want to keep somebody in the rotation who can actually eat innings. I do think they will trade Shane Green, though, especially if he keeps pitching like he has. And then Lister Perry had two questions. He was asking me if there was a famous case or cases of a player who stayed with a team through his service time, was not a superstar, but not a bust, just a professional full-time baseball player, and then signed with a different team and got markedly better. So in my head, this is like a Nick Castellanos question about like, hey, has he been, he's been okay for the Tigers. What if he signs elsewhere and gets really good? I'm putting words into Perry's mouth here, but uh, so I had to do some digging on this. I didn't know anybody off the top of my head, other than that there's some kind of famous you know, trades or free agent signings. But I, I found a couple interesting ones. Tony Phillips was a solid regular, and he was with the A's for a while, and then they just let him go in free agency, and he came to the Tigers, and he got much better. He was always pretty good, but he got significantly better with the Tigers for a few years. So that was an interesting one. I don't know if it was a product of the park or whatever. Terry Pendleton was is an interesting one. He he had a solid, like, six-and-a-half-year career with the Cardinals. He hit 260 and averaged about seven homers a year while playing good defense. So he put up about 13 more in those years, mostly defense-aided war, I guess. Then he signed with Atlanta, the Braves, and in the next two seasons, he hit 315 with 21 homers, 5.5 war, and won an MVP. And that's 5.5 war each season. He just turned into a completely different player. And again, I don't know if that's uh, the park or what. Uh, and then Dave Henderson. These are these. It's kind of funny. These are all like old 80s players. But Dave Henderson was solid for like five years with Seattle. He got traded a couple of times, and then he got signed as a free agent for the A's. He put up 8 war in his first seven seasons, and then 15 war in the next three with the A's. It was just came, came out of nowhere. He just suddenly got really good. Uh, but the closest famous case I can think of, and this might be stretching things a little bit, is probably David Ortiz. He played parts of six seasons with Minnesota. He was pretty lousy for them. He kind of, uh, you know, in his final season, he hit 270 with 20 homers, but he was never more than like a one-war player. In fact, he produced two and a half war that whole time with the Twins, and they released him. So that's not really like, hey, you fulfilled your obligation. They were like, ah, we're done with you. But he signed with the Red Sox and then immediately went bonkers. He The next five seasons, he hit 302 with 42 homers a year and averaged about five war each season. So that's the best one I can think of Perry. Uh, man, I'll keep doing some digging. And finally, Perry asked about the success rate on Tommy John surgery. And this is obviously, you know, comes into play with Michael Fulmer. Uh, and it's a good question. It's kind of hard to define success rate, but generally speaking, they say about 80 to 90% of pitchers who get Tommy John surgery return to form. Uh, the rate of pitching, like the quality of their pitching when they get back is is lower than that. But, you know, it, it all kind of breaks down by how old they are when they get it and how long they spend rehabbing. Generally speaking, the younger you are when you get the Tommy John surgery, the more likely you'll come back strong. In some cases, guys come back stronger because the the rehab process is so grueling that they actually get stronger. And with the Tigers, there's no reason to rush Fulmer. Obviously, they're not going to compete this year or next year. So give them the full 14, 16 months. Don't let them see the big league mounting until next July. And I think there's a good 75% chance he comes back and is as strong as he as he was. The one, like the 25% I'm worried about is his other injury history with his knees and things like that. It's just kind of a lot of injuries for a guy who's only 26. The other option, you know, you can bring him back and maybe he's not a starter anymore. Maybe he's a reliever and potentially a dominant closer. I think that's something to uh, think about in a year or two. But yeah, thanks to everyone for all the great questions. I appreciate you guys listening.
listening and participating. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Twitter at LockedOnTigers or at ChrisBrown0914 or email me at LockedOnTigers at Gmail. And please do rate and review the shows on your chosen podcast network, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya. And I hope you all uh, have a wonderful opening day. And like I said, if, you, if you're if you at the game, come down and say hi to me. Uh, and if not, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. <laughs>